Well, many years ago, I was a police officer in Western Australia, and I did 15 years service as an operational officer and about two years as a public servant, and I moved to Queensland in 98, where I worked for a number of multinational companies, having that privilege of travelling around Asia and America and Europe, and gradually moving out of that and back into service. Service, as I call, you know, serving the community. So counselling is my service. And we're going to hear more about your idea and maybe this theory of Bowen theory today and maybe how that impacts your role as counsellor. Okay, welcome Ollie. Thanks Mary. Nice to have you here today. So Bowen theory, can you just give us the little bit of a 101 on it? Well, Murray Bowen was back in the 60s. I went through some videos of him back in black and white Mm. and how he described the interactions of families. And one of the things that he talks about is this notion of triangulation. Okay. Triangulation is where there is friction or a rupture in in a couple. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, they bring in or one of them brings in another party to the relationship. Mm-hmm. But it's more of more of an ally. Just they see it as an ally. Can you give us an example of what that might look like? So a couple are warring over, so they're having a complaint about something and they bring in someone. What's the... What's Usually the, it's a child. A child, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> and they bring that child in as a distraction to get away from that friction that's going on, mm-hmm. but also as an ally, Mm-hmm. And they turn into sometimes a bit of a mitigator or a negotiator yep. in the relationship between two adults. So ultimately you've got this young person mm-hmm. having to negotiate or help this ruptured relationship. So the the parent goes to the child and says, I'm really pinged off with mum, I'm yeah. really frustrated. And then they're expecting the child to go back and sort that out or pass the message on or relieve some of the tension. Or what relieve is it? some of the tension, but the responsibility, they've actually thrown the responsibility of the, the fracture of the relationship on the child. Yeah. And that must be so difficult. Big responsibility for the child, yeah. Yeah. But in triangulation in Bowen theory, it's actually to relieve the tension and stress between the dyad, the couple. That's correct. And it's it's kind of like if we talk about behaviours, it's kind of like an avoidance behaviour. So avoiding what? What Avoiding the the friction, avoiding the the real problem. Yeah. But their idea of a solution is actually to bring a third party in. Yeah, Okay. Can it ever be healthy to have triangulation? So in the situation that you just gave then, a couple are having trouble and they're going, we want somebody else to sort this out for us. I don't want to sort it out with you or I don't know how to sort it out with you. Can it ever be healthy? If you brought in a counsellor, it would be healthy. If you brought in a counsellor, how would that look? It would be an independent person Mm -hmm. rather than uh, a party to the family Mm -hmm. who could actually see inside the fishbowl from an outside perspective yep. and help the couple understand what's going on, yep. the reason why they had a fracture, yep. and then trying to help them work out their own solutions to bring them back together without the third party being their child. Yeah, okay. So if people are listening and they don't go to a counsellor or don't want to go to a counsellor, how do you get through triangulation in a healthy way? How does that work? I think the first thing we need to do is understand mm-hmm. what's going on. Okay, so to identify when... I am in a situation and I'm actually going to somebody else rather than to the source. Yeah, so I would suggest that communication needs to open up again because if we're avoiding each other and we're going to that third person, we're not communicating. Yeah. I talked about a while ago about the notion of competency in a a relationship. 
when we're working great together, we appear that we might be unconsciously competent. So we're not really aware of what's going on. Things are just working fine. Yep. A good relationship, I would say, would be one of consciously competent. So what I mean by that is, is that we're actively communicating. Mm-hmm. We're actively listening. We're knowing that we're doing these things. Right, okay. So we're not then taking the situation to, for granted. Mm. We're actually actively or activated to mm-hmm. becoming good listeners mm-hmm. and good communicators mm-hmm. and actively understanding body language mm-hmm. and seeing how things are moving. It's kind of like a to and fro, yeah. a wind yeah. with leaves and things like yeah. that. That sounds like hard work. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think relationships are hard work if we want them to work. Yeah. So this idea of triangulation oftentimes sounds like it's when we don't want to go to the person or we don't know how to go to the person or I've even just thought of one then is that we go to the person and the person is unconscious and they're incompetent Mm. and they don't know how to respond to us. And that's a really good point because a lot of these emotions, we we call them big feelings. Yeah. Okay. And when we have big feelings, we sometimes don't have the space to communicate effectively. Yeah. We don't give ourselves the space. So if you say we have one partner going to the other and saying, look, I've got this issue, Mm. the other person just doesn't know how to use the words. Yes. So when they don't know how to use their words, they've got these big feelings, they get frustrated, they get upset. Mm -hmm. And then when that happens a lot, Mm -hmm. that person stops going to that person for assistance and then will then triangulate. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So then what would you tell clients? What would you tell listeners who are saying, okay, I'm in exactly that same situation. I have got big feelings about something. I've got ideas that I want to change our relationship. I go to my partner and they got no idea. What do we do? Well, you could have a couple session. Yeah. But also I think too it's beneficial to have a single session to give them the tools to be able to work through it themselves. Yep. It would be also good to have that opportunity to talk to the other person yeah, and help them yeah. work through understanding why they're having big feelings. Yeah. It could be an outside source. It could be work. Yeah. But they're bringing it home. So what about a couple who's listening or an individual who's listening and says, there ain't no way I'm going to counselling. How am I going to deal with this? Help me, dear friend Ollie. (laughs) How am I going to get through this? What do I do? What do I say to my partner? I'd I'd say it's a really difficult situation because, as I say to my clients, look, we can't control that other person. No. They're out of our control. Mm -hmm. We can't control their feelings. We can't control their thoughts. All we can do is control our own actions. Mm -hmm. And so maybe in a situation like that, we have more listening skills. We're trying to understand what's going on on behalf of our Mm. partner that's struggling. listening to understand is a concept I picked up from Stephen Covey. Yeah. We'll see first to understand yeah. is a place where we just take a pause and we listen. Mm-hmm. And when we're listening, we're not talking because if yeah. we're talking, we're not listening. Yep. If we're talking, we're reacting. Mm-hmm. So it's actually being able to be confident in ourselves, differentiate ourselves from the situation, not taking responsibility for their actions, but taking pause to listen and observe. Oh, so pausing is really important then. So you're saying in conflict or if I'm going to my partner and I'm saying I really want you to understand this thing, I'm first wanting to listen to you and when you start to talk, I pause and I try to understand what That's you've great. got to say. Pause and understand and don't try and fix. Fixing is not listening. Mm. Can you say more about that? That's an interesting concept. So 
if we're in a mode of fixing, and this is what people apply to males sometimes, so sorry trendsetters out there in podcast world, <laughs> but men are sometimes known to be the fixers, the solution mm, people, mm. okay? But we don't know the problem. Yeah. Unless we know the problem properly, mm-hmm. we can't fix. Yeah. And generally the person that you're talking to knows the solution to their own problem anyway. How true is that? So they know the solution. Yeah. So let's listen Mm -hmm. and facilitate them finding out their own solution. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be told Mm -hmm. what to do. They want you to listen. Because listening actually is the solution you're saying. So when, and this can be for partners, this can be for families, this can be for work colleagues, when somebody comes to you and your mind says, okay, they need a solution here, you're saying one of the best solutions that we could do is say, I'm going to listen. Well, I'm going to shut up. I'm going to shut up. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to use words. I'm actually going to listen to understand. And when we're listening, we're also looking. And when we're looking, we're seeing things, mm-hmm. we're seeing behaviours. Mm-hmm. So is the person tensing up? Mm-hmm. Is, as you're listening, the person resting and, mm-hmm. and relaxing and mm-hmm. taking a sigh that, oh, my God, that person is actually listening to me? Yeah. Uh, it's very powerful to listen. Yeah, I mean, we get, as counsellors, lots of training on what it looks like to be a good listener and some of those cues are nodding your head saying "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm tell me more we have soft eyes we have soft tone of voice our body language is relaxed and facing the person so I guess one of the best things that we can do when we're saying I want to show you that I'm listening to you is show you with my body my facial expressions my tone of voice and then you'll see the reaction yeah. Which will be the relaxation that they're going through. They're feeling validated. And validation is so important. Mm-hmm. I might bring something up controversial here. Yeah. Is that if we're listening and we're validating, we not necessarily agree with what that person's saying. Yeah. But we're validating it's their thought and mm-hmm. their feelings. Yeah. So we're not reacting because we don't know. I don't agree with what you're saying there. Yeah. But I am validating that it's your thoughts and your feelings. Yeah. Why do you think that's controversial? Well, some people say, well, I don't agree with that person. Yeah. So why should I validate them? Yeah, yeah, okay. And what's the answer? Why should I validate them? Because it's important to the other person. Right. So if you're wanting to be in healthy relationship, and Murray Bowen was all about what does a healthy family system look like, and a family system can be a couple, it can be a family of origin, it can be a group of people. A system that is healthy is consisting of individuals who all feel understood, heard, validated, connected. And so, yeah, I really agree with what you're saying when you're saying when somebody is sitting with another person and saying, here's how I really feel about something, and they're met with another person who goes, oh, okay, tell me more about that. What do you think about that? Is that how you feel? Rather than, no, that's stupid. I disagree. This is how I feel. That's totally different, huh? And podcast people, I'm nodding when um, Mary's saying this. Yeah. So you can't see me nodding, but I'm agreeing. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yes, giving me good nonverbal cues <laughs> that, yes, you're listening to me. Yeah, it's so true, huh? Because one of the things I hear couples say all the time is one partner says, when I go to say how I really feel about something, the first thing I'm met with is defence yes. by my partner. Yes, do you find that as well? well I find that in, in a relationship. Yeah, true. You know, yeah. people automatically go to defence mode. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we struggle to help them get out of defence mode, but it's not their fault. Yeah. It's their perception of the relationship. Mm, can you say more about that? Well, 
when, when something happens, we automatically appear to go to, that's the other person's fault. Yeah. Now, if a person's actually feeling like they're in defence mode, we ask, have to ask ourselves, why are they in defence mode? Mm. What's happened in previously? Mm-hmm. You know, for example, have I said something mm-hmm. that has put them in defence mode from a previous friction? Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to pull back and go, hang on, okay, you're in defence mode. Let's look, open up that space. Let's give you that time to have a thought. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you're in defence mode. We're having a discussion. Mm-hmm. I am here to listen yeah. to whatever's going on. Man, that would be a totally different response, wouldn't it? If, yeah. you, if you feel like you see your partner or the other person in, in the relationship becoming defensive, that you actually, rather than say, right, game on, here's the conflict we're engaging in, that you actually say, hey, I can see something's happening for you. I see that you look like you're becoming defensive and then you actually ask questions of that person, mm. that just softens. Well, you've got to be careful with our questions though yeah, because sometimes on. they might appear to be attacking okay. just by that notion of a question. Can you give us an example? This is great. Give us an example of what an attacking question would be and a open, curious question in that situation. So an attacking question could be, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. A, a less probably threatening question would be, can you help me understand what you're feeling right now? Oh, I love that. Can you help I me understand? I love it too because yeah. I said it. <laughs> Pat on the back. <laughs> I remember in counselling, schooly world, uni that is for other people, we were always taught to not ask why questions. Yes. Why can feel so judgmental? Like, why did you just do that? What, why are you feeling that way? But to more ask curious questions like what is happening for you? What's going on for you? I love that one. Help me understand what's happening for you here. Because you're immediately going into a different stance, aren't you? And you're, Emotionally. And, and when you're doing that, yeah. you feel feel it yourself. Yeah. You don't feel like you're in attack mode. Yes. You were even as I just said it, hear how my voice soften mm. like help me understand here. And that's a good point. You know, if I'm talking softly, you'll start talking softly. Or the yeah. person that we're talking to will start reacting in that particular way. They'll mirror you, your yeah. behavior. But if you're angry, they will be angry. And I guess being a former police officer back in my day. Yeah. The only thing I ever had was a small truncheon and a pair of handcuffs when I first started. Oh, really? So when I spoke to a client on the street, I'll call Mm -hmm. them a client, (laughs) the only thing I had as a potential weapon was my silver tongue Mm. to talk them down Okay. rather than being angry at them and Mm. reacting to them in a negative way. Mm. So it's very powerful. I mean, if I used it in policing, it's a very powerful tool to actually start speaking softly and getting that reaction back. And you're saying you actually noticed that. So if someone was aggressive out on the street, yep. if you spoke in a, a softer, lower tone, yeah, softer okay. tone, yep. compassion. Can you talk about that a bit more? Compa- if you've all got a compassion and an open heart, yep. people will respond to that. If they can see that, they will respond to that. And I mean, if we're talking about partners, mm. if we're angry, we don't, we're not showing compassion. Mm. We're not showing compassion to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're filling a hole with anger. Mm. But if we can open our hearts and speak to someone with compassion, Mm -hmm. that will be reflected back to you. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good point. How do we get hold of that? Because I can imagine there are people listening going, well, when my partner is saying something that ticks me off or frustrates me, there ain't no place for compassion in my head. Yeah. Well, how do we get hold of that from your perspective? Memory. 
remember what it was like when you were first with your partner? Mm. What were you attracted to about that person? Mm -hmm. There must have been something good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm making an assumption here. Yeah. But, you know, remember back to why you liked that person. Mm -hmm. And there is an idea of discomfort if we're trying to work back together again. And that's fine. And I think we need to accept the fact that there is something to work on. There has been negativity. Yep. So to open our hearts and be compassionate may feel a little bit uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but accept that and work through it. Yeah. I also think that in the moment when you can feel things becoming heated, I think it can be a helpful little strategy to say, I'm just going to pause here and I want you to know I love you. I'm on Mm. the same page as you. We're on the same team. Actually, we might not be on the same page, but we are on the same team. Correct. And I'm committed to you. I want to work through this. So an affirmation. Yeah, and that can sometimes help calm and soothe what's happening in the brain, which is actually going off, mm. um, going, I want to defend myself. I want to fight against you. I want to run away from you. I want to shut you down. Sometimes just saying something out loud and just pausing and saying, hey, let's interrupt what's happening here with something that's connecting for the two of I think it, I call it a circuit breaker. Yeah. We need circuit breakers. Yes, we do. To break that impasse. Yeah. Those feelings, those big feelings to yep. take a pause. A pause could be the circuit breaker. Yeah. A timeout. So, yeah. yeah, sometimes I say to clients, just literally do the timeout sign. When you both feel like you're getting nowhere, take 15 minutes apart and go and splash your face with water, go outside to a different temperature, go watch something funny. So distract yourself so that you bring yourself back down to a place like in that circuit breaker of saying, okay, now we're resetting and saying, right, let's get back to listening to one another, being compassionate with one another, being wanting to understand one another. That's right. Okay, so staying with the theme of Bowen theory, we've talked about triangulation. Let's also now talk about another really important aspect, which is differentiation. So for those who want to deep dive into this, you can go to the first episode that was specifically on differentiation. But I'd like to hear your idea, Ollie, of differentiation. So what I've picked up from Murray Bowen about differentiation is, is how do we circuit break our reactions to things. Yeah. And he describes a way of doing that is to really understand ourselves, Mm -hmm. who we are, our identities, our values. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we're confident in ourselves, we can then take a position of observer and listener Mm -hmm. in situations. Mm -hmm. And that gives us time to pause. Mm -hmm. And what I like about that is that it's not only applicable to family systems theories, Mm -hmm. it's applicable to our lives. Yeah. So it could be a student at school. How do they react to or how do they not react to things that are upsetting them and trigger them at school? Yeah. How does a person in a workplace not get triggered Mm -hmm. and react to a situation Mm -hmm. in a workplace? What's the answer to that? So you're saying, so there's two great examples. So your average tradie and your average student and they're going, yeah, if I get disappointed or angry or annoyed, how do I hold on to that? How do I behave? If we we look at a student for a moment, I mean, they're pressured into being good students, Mm. Uh, not only from schools but from families. Uh, There's peer pressure. So I guess if we apply Bowen's theory of differentiation to that, the student would then might be studying very hard. Mm -hmm. 
So be confident that they're studying very hard mm-hmm. to take a pause and relax, be compassionate to themselves, understand themselves that I am doing a good job, the yep. best I can, yep. and work with that mm-hmm. rather than reacting to the pressures of parents from school. Right. So you're saying one of the key things, and I totally agree with this, is our self-talk. Yes. So what we're telling ourselves about ourselves and you know, many of us have a pretty dodgy internal dialogue. Many people have on loop, I'm hopeless, I'm useless, I'm Mm. not good enough, everyone's better than me. And so for us to learn how to have a solid sense of self and a better internal dialogue, that's hard work, right? It is hard work. Got any ideas? Got any? Well, then I'd throw in acts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So acceptance commitment theory. Uh, Russ Harris, who's a pr- big proponent of acceptance commitment theory, we talk about naming and noticing. Mm-hmm. And so when we have a thought that's always, it's pulling us away from who we want to be. Mm-hmm. It's pulling us away from what we want to do. Mm-hmm. It is hooking onto us. Mm-hmm. So he would suggest that we actually name that thought. Mm-hmm. So I'm not good enough. Well, okay. I'm having that I'm not good enough thought. Mm. I'm noticing I'm having that not good enough thought. Yeah. And so it's self-talking us out of the thought. Mm-hmm. Accepting that the thought is there, it's going to probably always be there or be there sometimes, Mm -hmm. but not allowing it to hook onto us. Yeah. So even though we're using a theory, so acceptance commitment therapy is a really theoretical way of looking at things and yet it's really practical. So listening to what you're saying there, Ollie, is that hooking into the idea that there is an observing part of our internal dialogue. So there's the part of our dialogue and and what Russ Harris uses as a metaphor is that it's like a TV going off over in the corner all the time and we need to tune into that so our observing self can tune into that and go, what am I telling myself about me right now? And you can do that while you're listening to this podcast because we do have that internal dialogue. It's part of our brain. We've all got it. That's actually saying something about yourself. It's saying something about the world around you and it's saying something about the people you interact with. And if you can tune into that with your observing self, the observing self notices. So listening to your language there, Ollie, it's very acceptance commitment stuff. And it's saying, I noticed the thought of, and then saying, huh, isn't that interesting? What do I want to do with that? Does that align with how I actually want to be in this moment? I'll use the uh, metaphor or analogy with my clients that, you know, thoughts are like the radio Mm -hmm. and we're reading a book Mm -hmm. and a a nice song will come on and we'll start tapping our feet. We'll notice it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it'll drift away again. Mm-hmm. And that's the thoughts that we'd like to have. Yeah. We don't want the thoughts that hook onto us and pulling us away from, you know, I'm, if I've got that not good enough thought, mm-hmm. I don't want that not good enough thought pulling me away from doing good work of all that hard work that I've done with my study. Mm-hmm. I want to let it go and let it drift away. Mm-hmm. I'm noticing it and it's going away mm-hmm. and I'm going back to my task mm-hmm. and then be successful. So I'll just let you know what a lot of my clients will say, and I'm curious to hear what you would say. When I say to people, okay, notice the unhealthy, the not nice, the negative self-talk, and then have a go at replacing it with something like, I am a good student, I am worthy, I'm good enough. Most people will say, I don't actually believe that. What happens when I don't believe that? What happens when I actually do believe I am a bad person, I am hopeless, I'm not good enough? What do you say? I tend to steer away from the, the affirmation type thoughts. Okay. I will go to 
ask yourself and observe mm-hmm. whether that thought is helpful. Right, that's act, yeah. 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 If it's not helpful, then why are we holding on to it? Yeah, that might be a really good response for people. So traditional therapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, is very replace that faulty thinking with a, a new thought. And, yeah, so the idea with ACT, acceptance, commitment stuff, is saying I'm noticing is this a helpful thought or is this an unhelpful thought? Well, if I'm telling myself I'm an idiot all the time, that's actually unhelpful. So I'm simply going to observe that and then carrying on doing what I'm doing in a meaningful way based on my values, based on the Very, kind of very strongly on our values. And you can hook that back into differentiation again. Mm-hmm. You know, I am tuned with my values. I'm observing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm confident in what I'm doing mm-hmm. because of all the hard work that I've done as a student. Or if we uh, use the example of a tradie, mm-hmm. a plumber goes in, has a conflict with a client, mm-hmm. rather than react back, the tradie is saying to themselves, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I've done this for 20 years. Yeah. I understand what this client might be going through. They're probably worried about the price. They're probably worrying about a whole heap of things. Mm. But I'm going to sit back, observe, let that client say what they have to say and respectfully respond. Mm-hmm. And so respectfully, so hooking in to where we started right at the beginning with having a conversation with someone that you disagree with, that can really trigger a person to then react in a way that's angry or frustrated and you might shout and not be who you mean to be. But if you can link in with your values. So I want to be a kind and loving partner here. I want to be a respectful and upstanding citizen, you know, or plumber or tradie. I want to be this kind of person. And so I'm rather than shouting at you, Mm. I'm going to calm myself down and respond in a way that's in alignment with my values. Because if the client is actually reacting to something you've said, Mm -hmm. We might assume we know why they're reacting. Yeah. But until we listen, yeah. we actually might learn something from that client as Ooh, well. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You know, that they might know something about the, the land. Mm-hmm. The rock might be too hard there, so maybe a different approach will be over there. You don't know what's going on in that mm. property. Mm. So the, the client might have something of value. Mm-hmm. We need to take a pause and have a listen. Yeah. So in the theory of differentiation, the first point of balance is a solid and flexible self. So solid is I know who I am, I know what kind of person I am, but it's also at the same time flexible in saying, actually, I might not know everything. There might be something that you might be able to teach me or I might actually be open to, which takes a little bit of hard work and a little bit of effort, huh, to, to calm yourself and be open to that. Especially, you know, we're, we're under a lot of pressure in this world at the moment. We sure are. And, you know, and, and I can imagine a tradie that's out there and they're working their guts out mm-hmm. trying to do put food on the table for a family mm-hmm. and they just want to get that job done. Mm-hmm. And the last thing in their mind they want to do is stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but maybe it'll be helpful for yeah. them to just take a pause and relax. And yeah. even before they go into a job, yeah. ground themselves. Yeah. And that might sound a little bit airy-fairy, yeah. but just take a pause before we get out the car mm-hmm. and be willing to listen to the client 
and then do the job. Yeah, and I'm even thinking of this in a couple situation where uh, couples will go, you have no idea what my day was like. You have no idea what I did today. Mm. You went and did your thing. And, and so the couple might go, I perceive what I think happened for you and you perceive what you think happened for me, but neither of us really know unless we listen for understanding. So I think it's a helpful thing to sometimes say to couples, hey, just pause before you go in with this is what you did and this is what you said and this is what happened to actually ask questions and say, what did you do? What actually do you feel at this moment? What really is happening for you? Which kind of changes the tone of what's happening between the two people. Well, you can imagine a partner coming back from work and the other partner's looking after the children mm-hmm. and, and that. All you've done all today is just feed the kid. Mm-hmm. And the partner's got eyes like a mad cat. Yes. You know. <laughs> Them's fighting words. <laughs> and their hair is yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And their heart's pumping and they're trying to do the, mm-hmm. the best thing they could during that day, but things have happened. Yeah. Spanners have been thrown, kids have been eating crayons. I mean, yeah. they don't know what's yeah. going on in their life because yeah. they're in their own world Yeah, and they might consider taking a pause and actually asking, yeah. how was your day? And how was your day with listening for understanding? Yes. So how was your day can often be met with, yeah, but my day was harder, yes. my day was bigger, oh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. So give us an example, if you can, of what you might say to a partner or to a person when they say, this is how my day was. What are some really... Well, how, how was your day? Mm. My day was this, 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 this. It was crazy, it was mad, it was mm-hmm. like... And the other person would be doing... Shut up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just listening mm-hmm. and I'm nodding mm-hmm. and I am supporting mm-hmm. uh, with the mm-hmm's like you're doing now mm-hmm. <laughs> in a kind of way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and then validate that must have been really hard for you. Yeah. I can see yeah. from how you're behaving or how you're feeling. I can see how you're feeling. Mm. It must have been a really hard day for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful just to have that. And so this is really important because I see couples who will often say, so particularly the female will say, when I tell my partner, my husband, my my boyfriend, how my day's been and I say it's been really awful and this has happened, they want to come in with what you were talking about before, like a solution and a fix-it mode of you should have done this and why didn't you do that? And almost every female says what they actually wanted to hear was the partner go, oh, honey, that was awful. Oh, that sounded terrible. And then what happened? And then do you want a hug? They don't need them to give them solutions. They don't need them to sort anything out. They actually just want them to listen with compassion and empathy, which is just what you were saying there in your response. And they probably would like to hear something like, would you like me to cook dinner tonight? Yes, wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) (laughs) That's the ultimate solution. (laughs) I'll cook dinner, I'll do the dishes. But even that, so so for many people, it's not, I don't want you to go and do something for me, although that would be lovely. I want you to notice me. I want you to hear me. I want you to be with me. I don't want to be alone in this difficult season. And I think that for everybody, one of the most beautiful things that we can do for another is say, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. And we can't often fix what it is that we can't change the bad day that our partners had, or we can't stop what's been going on in their day at work. But we can show them that they're not alone by what we're saying with the I hear you. Affirmation, validation. Yeah. People don't want to be fixed. No. They just want to be heard and and, and, and supported and know you're beside them. Yes. 
Yeah. And so when we're in relationship, that's really easy to do when each other agrees with each other, but really hard, which is why I think what you're talking about today is so important, like learning how to listen, learning how to conflict well, learning how to notice your own internal dialogue and learning how to be more compassionate and empathetic. Yes, that's right. How do we react to our children? Mm. You know, you've got a a Mm 13-year-old who's pushing back. Mm -hmm. Okay, (laughs) what do you do? You Mm -hmm. know, do you push back? Mm. And I think we'd have to take a position and take a step back Mm -hmm. that I'm an adult and that's a Mm 13-year-old. They're learning. Mm. We need to take a space and let them have space to articulate their big feelings because sometimes it's very difficult for them to find the words to articulate what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. And if we take a step back and allow them to do that without reacting to what they're saying, which might be, you know, they might be disagreeing with you, they might appear to you to be rebellious, but what they're actually having is a big feeling moment and they're struggling. Yeah. So that's interesting that you're saying that, Ollie, because I can hear parents in my head in my therapy room saying things like, well, what do I let them be disrespectful to me? Do I let them have an attitude? Uh, what do you say to that? Well, no. Mm. Are <laughs> uh, you saying listen? I'm saying, saying listen. I'm saying, saying I'm, I'm, I'm saying listen mm. and try and help them through their big feelings because mm-hmm. they, as I said, they don't know the words. Mm. So what appears to you they might be disrespectful is that they're just lashing out. It's one of their behaviours mm-hmm. for the big feelings mm-hmm. because they can't find the words. Yeah. So if we can help give them the space, even if we say, you know what, you're obviously struggling at the moment, there's something going on, Mm -hmm. you're having these thoughts, Um, you're trying to get them out, I can Mm -hmm. see that, why don't we just take a break? Yeah. Let's park this for a moment, let's have a hug, Uh, let's have a cup of tea, Yeah. and then we can talk about it. So there's that circuit breaker again. And what I just heard you saying that is, I see you. And I think that's one of the most powerful things because that's empathy. I see your big feelings. I see your pain. I see your frustration rather than I'm going to attack or I'm going to defend or I'm going to react react to your, what I perceive as disrespect, rebellion, bad mouth. Yes, those things may be happening, if we can respond to the feeling, the big feeling, like I see you, I see this is happening, that can be a circuit breaker, particularly in teenage land, where then you can come back and they're much more receptive to telling you what's underneath the smart mouth or the sassiness. And I think that works for partners as well. Sometimes partners lash out at each other. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, again, it comes back to what we're saying is this empathetic, this active listening that says, I want to understand you rather than fix you or defend you or fight you. Yep, definitely. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Ollie. This has been really interesting and really enlightening. I hope it's been helpful for you guys out there listening with regard to relationships. And the beauty about this is translates for all relationships, whether you're in a relationship that's intimate and long-term and committed or whether this applies to then work or whether you've got children or not. This is Relationship 101, right? Roger that. <laughs> Roger that. All right. Thank you, Ollie. Thanks, Mary. This episode is a production for Mary Burton Psychotherapy and Counselling, hosted by me, Mary Burton. Audio production and sound design by Joshua Burton, 
social media by Riley Ranaletto, theme song composed by Gavin Luke, and online digital content by Brianna Burton. For more information or resources on today's topic, visit maryburton.com.au.